Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. My friends, I'm here with a guest who needs no introduction, author, speaker, Gregory Davis. I highly suggest listening to our previous episodes. Basically, I've Gregory, I've read your books more than any other reader outside of author, should I say, outside of mm-hmm. Tolkien and George R.R. R. Martin. So it's pretty good. Um, oh, wow. Greg, Gregory's first book, F- Fight or Flight, helped me get over stage fright. And I really did, dude. That was a, a monumental thing. And that was like, that was leveling up in different ways, right? Then there was wisdom is the beginning, wisdom from from everybody, then your little um, summations at the end. Now the new one, Life Unspoken. Um, Gregory is such a nice person. He actually downsold his book to me and said, "Ah, you may not like it because you're so open. (laughs) And just to tell you guys how nice Gregory is, I was at a bachelor party in Austin being drunk like an asshole. And this motherfucker said, let's have a beer. And I, you know, I was, I was all booked up and he said, let me drive you to the airport. What a freaking gentleman. So Gregory, it is so nice to see you. How are you, my friend? Oh, good. Little Texas, little Austin hospitality. Whenever Dude, you're you back, are, Scott, well, it was, take, it was too nice. It. Yeah. Next time <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making a trip with just to see some podcasting people because um, my friends were like, you got to see Greg. Who's Greg? We got Is he coming? I was like, I was like, Greg, Greg is not going to fit in with this group of 25 year old savages. It's too much. But, <laughs> but um, no, this one life unspoken. Um, Greg, I'll let you give your mm-hmm. kind of point of view on, on what started it. And right. um, I know you thought it wouldn't hit me just so you know, I cried three times during this book. The only <laughs> books that made me cry because this was actually um, a, a big problem for me growing up. And I would say mm. even yeah, we're going to talk about it, but you okay, tell me wh- where did you get this kind of inspiration from? Because it's very different and like unique to talk about silence being a real killer in connection with people. Yes. Perfect, perfect, perfect intro, Scott. So please, it's kind of a my meander here a little bit. So please jump in yeah, as I, yeah. I talk about where this came from. But it's a it really is about silence. And that's what got me the like the foundation of this book is about silence. And I got really interested in what is the reason someone would want to be silent, to shut down, so to speak, in a in a relationship, in one of their key relationships in their life. And so I started delving into that. And at the same time, I started coming across all these um, articles and books about, about loneliness. And loneliness is a, a growing problem, not only in the U.S., but in the world. The U.K. has a minister of loneliness or, or something like that, uh, director of loneliness, something like that, to work, especially with more elderly people, about loneliness, but try to get people connected. And so I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be some kind of connection here and I always want to go back to what we were just talking about Scott is like what is the most important thing in our life what's the most important thing in my life no matter what I come back to relationships I keep coming back to relationships 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 so our society is increasingly lonely silence is a huge issue in relationships I've seen and read about and experienced and so how do I put this all together and so finally I came across this, this research paper, and it's one of the longest research uh, studies in the world. It's a Harvard study. It's the grant, and I want to make sure I get this right. Like, I think it's Gluick 
study. It's in, yep. started in 1938. And they wanted to track physical and emotional welfare and identify the predictors for healthy lifestyle. And so they came up with things like don't smoke, don't drink too much, et cetera, et cetera. But the number one thing, and this is where like the light bulb started going off for me and where this book started to come together was your relationships and deep, meaningful, open relationships. And then I started thinking, okay, people are lonely. I believe it's due to silence because they don't want to talk about something in their lives. For some reason, they're shutting down. And so what is the cause of silence? And I believe my opinion is, and what this book is about, is about secrets. There's a secret or secrets that people have, and they're not going to talk about it. They don't want to get close to it. And their relationships suffer. My, my, I've been here too. My relationships suffer whenever I don't talk about things that really matter in my life to the people that are close to me that mm-hmm. I truly, truly, truly love and care about my best friends, my best friends, my wife. Um, so not, not everything is for everyone, but when, when I choose to live in a frame of silence in my life, it cuts off all relationships. And then that's where we get to life unspoken and uh, people People are missing out on that community that they so much desire and so much uh, want in their life. So that's kind of the meandering way to get around to my, my train of thought on how I got to this point. But um, it's about silence, really. This is exactly what you said. It's about sure. silence and what it costs us in our lives. And I think even, you know, before technology and before COVID, and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was um, it was hard. It, it's you it's still difficult to be open and you ever had mm-hmm. secrets. And now you add that. And the, the facts you had in there were staggering though. You had a one about, you know, people over 65, they, they don't have a oh, conversation man. with their best friend over six uh, for a month. And mm-hmm. you were talking about, you know, with, with the, the, I'm a, I'm a single person right in here. Um, well, mm-hmm. Jessica, you're listening, you're here, right? You don't live here, whatever, but like 60% of people nowadays are living um, by themselves. All these things are making a COVID on top, right? It's, it's, did, did, did COVID go run through your mind while you were um, writing this one? No, this one was pretty much done pre-COVID. You know, oh, I wow. had to do some filing touches. You'll see little tweaks in there. But when I was writing it, I'm like, yeah, this is, explains people have been very mentally damaged by COVID because they've been forced to be alone. And all those people who love to be out and talking to people, man, it's hard on those outgoing extroverted people. And yeah, so COVID is just another layer on top of this. That's- really good timing, man. And mm. it was funny. Gregory exactly. messaged me. He sent me the book. Lovely. Gregory sends me. What a night. Is that you or Mariella who does it? It's so, Mariella. I know. I could tell. <laughs> it's a great beautiful. I write the um, book, yeah. I lo- she writes the book. She does the, the packaging. Beautiful. And Gregory yeah. tells me, Scott, I don't know if you're going to like this one because, you know, you're pretty open. Now, what you're seeing now, Gregory, is, is mm. not final form, Scott. It's a different level because I would say. My, I've learned through our personal development that connection, you know, there's six human needs. Connection is one of them. And that is my, that is what gets me going. That is my feeling. Mm-hmm. But growing up, that was my hardest issue was I had a lot of people and a lot of acquaintances, but I never spoke about what mattered basically. And I think you mm-hmm. have a little, like you have a typical conversation in there. of How are you doing? I'm fine. And then you talk about baseball, you talk about sports, you talk about the weather. That was my life for a majority of time. And and I never realized. And I think, you know, I was I kind of I feel like I went back in a time machine and went through the pieces of my life where I had to fix it. Now, I would say more on the friendship side. I was feeling a little lonely. I always feel more lonely than most people do. But 
just by being more open and being the one to initiate these conversations about, dude, what's going on with, you know, your mother, what's going on with like the real stuff mm. that kind of just gets, mm. I, for me, I was a little like callous to it. Cause you're not used to it. And if you're not used to it, if you mm-hmm. start off on that wrong foot, you really end up like pushing back and just kind of going through these things. So I made a promise to myself when I turned 21, 22, I'm just going to be as open as possible. And that's still obviously a work in progress. And, and I was curious to know, like, when did right. the openness start changing for you? Did, did, did it change after, you know, your, um, your battle with cancer? Was it before? I think what, uh, what really, really opened it for me was in my probably, let's just say 30 years old, roughly in there, maybe a little younger. And I, 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 grew up uh, as a dyslexic little boy having dyslexia. And the last thing I wanted any of my friends to know is that I was different and I had mm-hmm. dyslexia. And, and, and I felt stupid and I couldn't read as well as I could. That's a fact. And I couldn't write as well. However, whenever I got a little older and owned it, I started telling a few friends, just really, really close friends of mine. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay. And I was like, <laughs> no, this is, my, this is my big dark secret. Don't you get it? At, this, at that point it was... And they were like, okay, how do we help? How can I help you? Or what do you need from me? You know? And I was like, and then I started, had the opportunity to speak at a conference, a dyslexia conference about it. And I saw parents like become emotional and other dyslexics be like raising their hand and asking questions. And I thought it started clicking once again. I was like, oh, I can sit here and pretend like and fake my life through that I I don't have dyslexia and no one's ever going to know. Or I can get real and I can open up and start talking about it and create closer relationships with my best friends. Cause they knew something was holding me back. Right. They knew there was something there that I didn't, you know, why is Greg not spelling? Why is he not writing? Why is he not reading this? But it creates closer relationships. I got an opportunity to meet some really cool people, talk to some really good people. So I think that's what the cost is. It's easy to sit in silence in one respect. Uh, you know, it, it feels safe. It, it's not as uncomfortable. It gets to be a norm. Like you said, what we miss what the truth is what we miss out on is the really sad part about that connection with the, our loved ones and the opportunities that are created out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you speak about it a lot in the book and like the, the deepest thing for me of one of my, I don't, I seem fearless, right. But fear really drove my life for, for quite a, a bit of time. And um, that it was, that, that was like my crutch. It still sort of is mm-hmm. with the issues we have. And I think, the, the fear that you make up in your mind of what people will think about you and, you know, yeah. the, the vulnerability, like for me, it's more, I would say my issue is like being worthy of love or this or that. And that could really just d- destroy you if you don't. And just by like, you, you probably made your dyslexia such this big issue when you came, when it comes out in right. reality, it was like a little, little, your friends are like, who the fuck would care? Like, it's, it's so interesting <laughs> fear. Um, now, now you went through a couple of exercises in the book that I challenge everybody to try, um, Gregory, those are some tough ones. I, I forgot the name of the, of the, the, the box one with the, the, the Joe. Okay. This is a good one for your listeners. Yeah. The Johari window. Johari. That's it. It, it is. I mean, just look it up. It's a J O H A R E window and you can Google it and there's books and there's articles. And of course, mm-hmm. Wikipedia, it's a great place for many different things. And I used it, you know, I kind of tweaked it for my own use in this book. Um, for, you know, to get real about what's going on in life. But yeah, I like, I like the Johar window for lots of reasons. It was, it was cool. Cause the way you had it set up is like, you know, you have your secrets and you have like the secrets that you're even missing. And I started digging on it and I was started mm. it on the train and I was like, I, I started tearing up. Like, I can't do this on the train. I gotta, I gotta go home and, and sit. <laughs> and I gotta light a candle for it. So um, <laughs> really, really cool. Right now, now where, yeah. now wh- where, 
do you think, or from your perspective, even in your own personal experience, the biggest fears in yourself lie and how could you and I be a vessel to kind of help people make it be like, listen, these fears are, are not what you're thinking. Okay. So I think it's, um, first I'm a realist. I know that I'm going to have conversations like, Hey, you know, how are you? I'm fine. Thanks. And then talk about the sports. Like you said, I know, I know that that's fine. And I have conversations like that today. However, if that's the only conversations you're having, there's a, there's a big issue. Uh, I mean, there is, I, I, I can, I can get on this podcast with Scott and have a, a true, deep, real conversation, talk about things that matter. Then, then, then I can start to feel and for, then I can start to grow and break out of that, that fear, that uncomfortableness. So I think the key is the, the user listener. Do you have one? Let's start with one person that, that you really trust that you would say anything to. And if you do, are you talking to that person, right? Mm-hmm. And, but then, you know, I love my wife, but, and I will tell her almost everything, but there's some things that I probably need to talk to Scott about and not talk to my wife about, you know, in life or my best friend or maybe, maybe my dad, you know, yeah. that's, and that's the kinds of things that we need to think about is that community. And that's what the, the push for the book is. Create your community that you can talk about whatever you want to and need to talk about with the people in your life. So start with one. If it has to be a therapist, start with a therapist. I, I think, you know, therapist is, therapy is excellent. It has its place. Sure. And then start to grow out from there because a life of silence, is, it's a sad place and, and uh, it's going to impact your health. It's going to impact your men- mental strength down the road. It hasn't already. Absolutely. And it's weird because I feel like people, particularly like younger generations now, it's like, well, I'm not going to open. Why doesn't he want to open up with me? When, what, mm. You know, why can't I, you know, why can't I, I'm waiting for you to be open. And I, I started, that's kind of the way I was as a kid. I was like, well, if people aren't that way and you don't even realize like somebody, if you play this game, it's like, who's going to start it? Then you're going to sit in, in a stalemate. <laughs> and I think it takes a lot of putting the ego aside and just saying like, listen, I want to take this and, and taking ownership, right? Taking responsibility yeah. of, a, of, a, of a relationship and just being that person that is like, we can right. do that. Like, I'm sure you have friends that don't schedule going out. Like I have a lot of friends right. yet. There has to be a person who schedules, right? If everybody took that approach. So taking that ownership and being able to be like, I want to know really what's going on in your life. And I have, even this podcast has become like my friends mm-hmm. listen to it and they go, wow, like you really are into mm-hmm. some different stuff. I'm like, yeah, I come to Gregory mm-hmm. for, for some self-help. I come to my cousins to talk about, you know, the family and I come to my other friend mm-hmm. talk about girlfriend stuff. And it's like, you could have these different pieces. Um, and I, I've just been like, I, I make it a point every time, Greg, and I'm, I'm curious how you do this with people. Like I, I refuse to ever, ever have that conversation. If you're a billionaire, if you're a model, if you're whoever, I'm not going to be like, how's the weather? I'm like, how are you feeling? Yes. Like, how, how are you feeling? Like, really? Because you seem a little what's, off to me. One of my favorite questions, like for situations like that is what's, what's the best thing in your life? Mm-hmm. But then I ask the other question also, I have to feel what's, what's the, the most difficult thing? What's the worst thing in your life right now? And if people, you know, talk about the best thing in life, it's easy, but once you've started it, it's kind of become contagious, you know? Right. They, there's a little bit of trust there. They, you prove to them, you're going to listen and you start talking about what's the worst thing in life. And, uh, the models and the billionaires will answer you. Scott will answer you. Oh, you know, absolutely. I, I love that. I cannot sit at a party for more than half an hour and chit chat. I'm done. But if I find a couple people that uh, that'll have a conversation with me, that'll connect and go deep, man, I'll stay there all night. 
and it's contagious. Yeah. It is contagious. It, the first person to talk, that's nerve wracking. But once, once it's, once that seed is planted, people know that you care enough to talk and listen about things that matter. They'll come back to you over and over again. It's, it's and that creates community that breaks that silence. The whole point in the book yeah. and, and, uh, it's, and it's, community grows. It's so true, Greg. Cause I was thinking about you the other day. Cause I would say post COVID in my gym, right? I am the mayor. I was literally, I'm the guy who's like, Hey, what's going on, kiddo? Like, what are you doing? All the young guys, all the girls, I don't mind. I'll talk to you. And after COVID, it's almost like a skill that I'm pretty rusty. I don't know if it's like timid or if I'm like, you just haven't done it. It's like, I'm trying to get back in the pace of just being that guy again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this week I, I was, when I was, I was obviously reading it and you mentioned that like talking to strangers, I think. Right. And I was like, I just got to do this. And all of a sudden this week, this morning in the gym, I'm talking to this guy, I'm talking to that guy. And I got to watch myself now. Cause I end up talking for an hour every day. Cause you want to, you know, make all these connections, but it really does make yeah. Some people are like, bro, I don't want to, you know, why would I want to talk to people in the gym? It's like, dude, don't you want to have like a warm feeling when you walk in? And this week I started doing that again. Mm-hmm. It feels so much better. It makes everything more vibrant, more beautiful. It's just like you feel at home, right? We're, we're tribal by nature. That's, That's the right. point. So, yeah. The only thing I ask, uh, like people I talk to about this is like, are you strong enough? Are you much of a leader to start a conversation? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It, you know? They get out there and do it. You know, yeah. there's not enough people doing it. Cause it's, I don't know what holds people back. It's, it's, I guess it goes back to what we've been talking about is the in some kind of internal fear of, you know, sometimes I don't want to start kind of, sometimes I just want to work out fine, but sometimes step out of that comfort zone and, and say hi to somebody and ask them how their day's going in the yeah. real, in the real way. It's uh, I think fear, fear of rejection is probably like yeah. the, the weird thing. And, you know, even guys with guys, like just somebody like non you off. Like I've, that was always my fear, even with girls. And I can tell you, that's never happened to me once mm-hmm. in my life. Nobody's ever said like, get away from me, you weirdo. But it, it's like, <laughs> if you just take a chance, it, it's, it's interesting now. And with this yeah. silence piece, um, I really liked how you broke down the, the three types Mm-hmm. of silence because you know we're talking about i'm gonna go to openness and friends but i would say you know to to be honest with you the the um i believe it was the 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 second silence where you kind of shut down people that mm-hmm. one for me was an issue when i was married and that really you know dovetailed the the end of the relationship you want to talk about the, yeah. the three types of silence greg and how you know if you had any yeah. of those experiences how you came up with it whatever yeah. you want I think there's, there's there's three in my words. There's three types. There's like a peaceful silence, which I think can be healing. I think it's peaceful silence we should all experience. And then the second one in the book is is a punishing silence. So I, I believe that's the one you're referring to, Scott. Yep. And that's basically you see it a lot in relationships, like your closest uh, marriage or partner or whatever it might be. And so. In my case, she she hurt my feelings. She hurt me. She did. She wronged me in some way. So I, I'm I'm going to talk about the weather. I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. the day of work, the kids, and nothing else until. And that's part of the problem. Until when there's yep. no end point, right? Exactly. And what it does is, it usually it becomes contagious in a negative way, and so therefore the other person stops talking about things that matter so therefore you're living in a house and not talking about anything of any substance and it keeps both individuals uh keeps me stuck in the past Mm. there's no future there's no growth it keeps me living with that painful experience of whatever happened or whatever was hurt 
And it just absolutely doesn't work. Uh, then you're waiting for an apology. I'm waiting for an apology. I'm waiting for a certain sentence to be said or, or, or I was wrong. And without, with, the, with this environment of silence, the chances of that magically happen become very, very slim. And then, and then, it, you know, then the fights get uglier. Time apart gets further and more and more frequent. And then you have a real recipe for, and how do you break out of that? You know, that's, that's like a really tough one. I mean, I have some mm. thoughts in the book on how to break out of it, but you got to start talking is the, the bottom line. The other one is I call protective silence. And that's, I see, you can see that in relationship too, but, but I think your example of friends is a perfect example, Scott. That's where kind of like in your general life, like your coworkers, your friends, whatnot, it's, it's uh, you're going to protect the, that, that little secret, you know, you're going to keep it close to you and man, I'm not going to show Scott this. I'll show Scott everything else in my life. We can talk about anything else, but this little piece, but Scott knows that I have something that I'm keeping from him. He doesn't know maybe what it is or really, but he knows like something Greg's kind of holding back in one way. So maybe I should hold back or maybe, you know, maybe I'll kind of move on with our friendship and, and, Maybe one day you ask a question, you get too close to it, and then I change the subject or I talk about something else. And it's, it, what it does is it, it, it dampens the trust between the two individuals. And it, once again, it doesn't work. The relationship suffers and there's a lack of connection and the community you know, fades away. So those are the three big ones I see. The point is, you know, this, this book is not about peaceful silence. Go peace, be peaceful. Go find your way in the woods and whatnot. I, lo- I love it. Do it. It's about these other two silences and what it costs um, the reader in their life, what it cost me in my life, you know? Yeah, that chapter, the one that, the chapter that hit me hard was the push push love away, which I think was p- talking about protective mm-hmm. silence, which is very much yeah. like, I feel like br- that's what dudes do, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, being a, being a guy growing up, I would say I was behind the eight ball with, with women, right? I didn't kiss my first girl till 17, 18. And that was always like, everybody's talking about girls. And that's when I like got weird. And, you know, I, I'm still pretty chill. I, w- I was like going on, but I feel like I, I was missing this part of, of a relationship with my friends. It's like, you could talk about baseball, mm. you talk about all this stuff, but you're missing a pretty crucial part of, of the puzzle. And, and I think people, you know, when we talk about secrets, right. We're not talking about you murdered somebody. I think another good word, Greg, you tell me if you right. agree is like vulnerabilities, right? Like that was one, That's that right. was my vulnerability right. growing up. Um, Cause some people, you know, I think we all have some vulnerability and the people who, who are saying they don't, they're, they're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We make a good team, Scott. Yeah, you say it more directly than I do. Exactly. Yeah, around it. Yeah, Greg. Greg got the nice political way of the words, and it I'm just like, does bullshit. it work? It doesn't right? work. You're full of shit if you believe you can go through life by yourself and get the most out of life and have the most fulfilled life. Your relationships suffer. We need relationships. I mean, go read the the Harvard study. You know, people who have relationships will live longer, have healthier lives, physically healthier lives, and mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they're mentally they're stronger over the long term. And maybe right now that's not important to somebody, but you know, it's going to be important someday. And like, what do you want uh, on your deathbed? Do you want to look around and see a bunch of beeping machines in a white room? Or do you want to be surrounded by people that you've life, you've touched and you care about and that are really, really sad to see that you're moving on to the next phase of life. And and even after that, right? Like after that, after we pass, I'm oh, sure man. people are going to be talking about you. And I'm sure people will be talking about me of that. They were some open guys. And I think it, it was interesting. I don't know if you, if you even dig. Did you dig into like 
the men and women breakdown of how closed is it? I'm assuming men are way closed off and, and more mm. silent because that equals strength. Because yeah. it seemed like you were really like this book was made for for men, like these these alpha guys who think silence mm. is is the answer and like just push this push those feelings down. Like that that's old school Italian, right? That's that's mm. old dudes in my family. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what we were trying to to cater to here? Or was it really? There is. I do. I do. I really want to cater to both sexes, mm-hmm. but I can. You're absolutely. Right, Scott. I mean, if you read just this may seem like I'm off point, but I'll get around to it is the suicide rate in the population is is by far men. Mm-hmm. And uh, at last I saw now I, this we'd have to verify this was is uh, suicide rate 75 percent men, 25 percent women. So it is. Why is that? It's because men aren't talking about what's what's hurting them what's 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 keeping them down in life they're not talking to anybody not talking to their wife not talking to their best friends i'll do it i'll handle it i'll figure it out and it just at some point it you know covid comes along they lose a job and it's like that's it right and it's sad and i I just confirmed that with you greg men you nailed that percentage it's it's really about one and a half times as many more men than women which is like isn't that just um that's just a little scary thinking, thinking about this. Yeah. And I think these, these types of things, why I started this podcast, right. It was just, there's, there's a, a there's a word, the world is changing, right. Conscientiousness mm-hmm. is changing. Like we mm-hmm. as people are going to have to evolve in a way, I think mm-hmm. more focused, like right now, the, the Western world, what do we, you know, at least in New York money, power, Instagram, you know, follow, whatever influence call that. And I think to combat the the negatives of that, all that is fine. You need that to, to work to an extent, mm-hmm. but you're going to need a little bit of connection. You're going to need to be a little mindful. You're going to have to have a little wisdom. You're going to have to turn off your fight or flight when somebody, you know, does something, all these things are, are really, um, you know, it's, it's important to, to share. So you become closer, right? That's, that's, that's right. It's, it's really that simple. And, it, and if people, if men need a reason, you, you, you will be more successful in most lines of work, if you create relationship, if you, if you work on creating those bonds and relationships in business, it works, it works too, you know, to say, talk about what's appropriate in business. But if you go through life, stepping on people and pushing people aside, it, it's not going to be a long career. Mm. Uh, you know, you need those things. I keep expecting like there just to be a wave of return to relationships, return to community. And it's, it feels like we keep getting further and further, and further down the road. Yeah. So this is my call. This is, and thank you for giving me a platform, Scott, for us to talk about this. Absolutely, dude. This is my call for people to think, what is the most important thing in your life? Just stop for a moment. What are are the three most important things in your lives? You know, and if your relationships aren't aren't one, two, and three, um, there's going to be some time for reevaluation, I hope. Yeah, and I think that you you hit something that I want to talk about. You you speak a lot, and another one, probably my second favorite chapter, was that creating value. Of, oh man! Of, yeah. of, of being mm-hmm. able to kind of dig, you know, look into not dig into the past, you know, look in the past, kind of re- rewire the. Um, that's a problem I have too, Greg. That's why I was I was laughing. I was literally laughing by myself that you thought this wouldn't hit me because I was like, I just, <laughs> I'm one. I, I I got that that little old school Italian bud. Like you you fucked with me. You are you are on a shit list. I have a list. You just made the list, and I cross you all. You know, and you're done. And like holding that. I think you mentioned your energy, like it's, it's a mm. lot sometimes, like, even though, you know, it takes a, you know, mindful and I could get through my life this way, but like, what, what is, what is the purpose of holding right. any type of hostility or any type of this negative energy towards anybody when for, I think the point of the creating value was really forgiveness and, and being able to mm-hmm. let, to let go. Um, 
now the the creating value for relationships it's 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 the the, the point of of everything it's kind of like what you just said here how much creating value did you have to go through throughout your life because i want to bring uh-huh. it to, to to you know by by this point you went you got through your dyslexia when you were hit with um you know your cancer how did, uh-huh. did all of these pieces help you handle that situation and did you find yourself because for me i would probably I, I try to put myself in that shoes because it's just terrifying great to me to if that happened to me or somebody else like I, I would probably just try to be like i got this i'm cool like i would do that silent do some some sort of protective silence how did you handle your situation so uh, let me just I'll, i'm gonna answer your question but take it back to the book so a secret right i, I had a, had a secret so what do you do with with the secret I had a secret of cancer. That's a, the perfect example I have in the book. So I have it's cancer. So I'll handle it myself. You know, I can go to the doctors and this and that. But there's there's all these weights that people in your life want to help you with. I want to carry carry with. And after I got through the, once I started reaching out to people and saying, I can't do this, please do this. That's one way for me to create value through the cancer. But when I lost one of my best friends to cancer, and it seems incredible, almost impossible, a matter of months after I had finally been cured, I was like, what, what can I do with this? Like, this is not fair. He had little girls. It's, uh, it doesn't seem right. How is this even possible? And it was a, uh, it was a huge weight for me. And that's putting together create value and forgiveness for me was, was the, was the cure all pill in that situation. It forced me to step out of my of that comfort zone and that unforgiveness and that questioning and that anger and say, how can I create some good, some positive out of a really bad situation? Because I don't want to live with these memories of my friend in the ICU. That's not, you know, that's not, you know, angry that, that he passed. I want to live with the lessons, the times we had, the lessons I learned, uh, knowing that he gave me so many gifts. And so I had to get rid of that secret, so to speak, of uh, him passing and of the cancer and create something positive out of it to, to raise money, to do something physical, to create relationship. So now when I think about it, am I sad? I'm absolutely sad that he passed away. However, I've created something more powerful for me out of that pain, which now I, it's a place of strength for me. And wow. And a place so that I can turn to whenever things get rough again in life and know that um, forgiveness is beautiful. Forgiveness is very difficult to, to, to comprehend and to say one, two, three. There's nearly one, two, three. But I think when you put together forgiveness and create value, uh, then you can get to a place of opening up and strength and living. I think how people should in their life is connection absolutely and it's funny you know everything's forgive somebody but in this in this case it kind of sounds like you had to, you had to forgive mm. yourself a little bit and you had to kind of forgive the world or the situation yeah. for 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 what because you could have you know listen if, if i got cancer and my best friend died of cancer three months later you could easily say mm. take that nihilist view we'll get a little carl Jungian and philo- philosophical mm. on you, right? you could take that nihilist view and say life doesn't matter and i don't you know you could have went another way but you took the other side of it duality right it's beautiful um everything matters and i am going to take responsibility and i'm going to to actually change the perception of reality and get myself out of it and i commend you for that greg because that is um i don't know if i'd be able to do that my friend it's that's that's, i love it that's tough 
But see, I think that you, you boiled it down to the choice. What is the choice? What choice did I have? Live in anger and resentment and for the rest of my life? I was 33, you know? Or do I, <laughs> I don't care what, how, what your age is, but you got a long way to go down the road. And what do you want your life to look like? And uh, I, your, your phrase is 100%. My, it was my responsibility. And I owned it. And I, and I think people, it's really easy to sit in silence and stew on it and, and push it down and cover it up with all kinds of bad habits. If it doesn't work. It's still going to be there in the morning. Everything's always there. And I think what you're seeing to make this to a, to a larger level that I think, you know, I would say not in your state, right? There's a reason why I travel to Arizona, Florida and Texas, right? The, the, <laughs> the, the red states tend to take a little bit more responsibility, let's say, because you can, you can play this victim card. COVID, I got to take, mm. or you could take the, this other way of like, I'm responsible for, and I think that's why a lot of people in COVID, I, I was surrounding myself with people who were very much like us. We're just taking, listen, we're in a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. simply put, let's just make the best of it. What are we going to do? Right. We're going to make, a, we're yeah. going to write some books. We're going to finish a book. We're going to make a podcast. You, you want to surround oh. yourself with those people because what's the, what's the opposite? We're going to sit and, and bitch at each other. And we're going to comment on Instagram about bullshit it's like what mm-hmm. what 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 is the the purpose of that and i i think people are really starting to get like in a trance almost of liking like it's almost like picking the scab like you want to keep feeling this way and i guess there you know there's serotonin mm. involved and a lot of stuff but like mm. that's what you saw with the election that's what you're seeing now even hating biden yeah biden blowing this sucks but we who, like i try to tell people you have to know what's going on live in a reality but almost like emotionally detach yourself from this stuff because this stuff will just drive you crazy and that's what some of these companies want you know well, I'm saying exactly what you're saying in a different way. What I have to know what's inside of my control and what's not. The COVID is not within my control. What I can control is what I do with the time that I have at home. Do I write books? Do I go on podcasts? Do I spend as much time as possible with my children? Hell yeah. I get lots of value out of that. Spending time on Instagram, as you said, bitching about COVID. Yeah. What is is, what is is, and is I'm not going to change it through Instagram, you know? Exactly. That's when, when that guy was talking about that uh, CIA analyst, shout out to Martin Yuri uh-huh. for coming on. I, I asked him, I said, what was the biggest thing that you think you could, you know, for, for people to control that you see is the issue. He said, people are not working out of their personal sphere. If you try to, to do something, first you have to fix, you know, your sphere gets in order. And then he said, that'll take, you know, to your 30, 40, 50, if, if that. Love that. And then mm-hmm. you could start moving outside of your sphere mm-hmm. into politics or, you know, whatever your influence may be. But if you don't have your house in order, which, you know, some people mm-hmm. don't, it's, um, you know, why are we, why are you worrying about what, you know, who AOC said we're war or this or that? It's like, it's, it's really just a, a funny thing, but this is a weird times room, man. It's weird times. Yeah, I think it, I, I always wanted to be, uh, when I was young, I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to do things. But I, 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 as you were saying, I, I, just, I chose not to step out of the bubble. I had to get lots of stuff uh, fixed, my word fixed inside of me, it, before I could step out and write books and speak to people and talk about, you know, like big ideas and things to influence lives. Um, I mean, I think if your listeners are thinking, you know, well, how, you know, what, how can I influence this world? How can I make things happen? How can I get involved? Start right. Look in that mirror, man. <laughs> no, it's right. like, start right there. That's the, because if you don't get, if I never got that straightened out, I wouldn't, I couldn't have uh, gotten very far down the road. It's, it's my belief. 
Yeah, and I'll scare some of you. I know we have a lot of young people listening, so I'll, I'll scare some of you. You don't want to live with that regret, let me tell you. And mm. um, a couple years ago, Greg, I stopped. Li- I, I said, I'm going to do everything that in my power to, to, to just anything I want to do. I'm going to give it a shot. Be like a yes man. And it has been such a beautiful thing. Some stuff you fail, some stuff you don't. But like you're living the the truest, most bra- I feel like, you know, especially you, right? You're the pinnacle of dyslexia, cancer. The bravest version of yourself. Fuck, fuck the truest. Yeah. Be the bravest version of yourself to step, that. step in front of that Love and that. be able to like take bur- take the burden of whatever, whatever. Or take the burden of the world on, you know, as much as you can handle. Um, so listen, and- so for your listeners, so who do you want in your life? Do, do you want to be surrounded by the people who do the same thing every day, day in and day out, and and they're downers and saying, you know, come down with here with me and doing anything? Or do you want to be hanging around people like Scott? For doing things, trying things, getting out there, talking about things that matter. Man, I want to be hanging out with Scott. You know, I'll be. Uh, I want to be hanging Thank out you, with you, bud. Yeah, because because yeah. you make me better. You make me think. You make we me, all do, right? And it, this this podcast has become such an opening for me because there, there's some of my friends who are like, "Wow, this is interesting stuff." And then you know, it's hard to to break out. And like, if you got to make your own bubble, make your own bubble and find those people. That's the that that I try to use technology as like. The, for the best of good. Let's, let's only contact the good people. I'm not sitting there trying to DM women and do all mm-hmm. that great stuff that a couple <laughs> years ago we were, I was slipping in a lot of DMs. But nowadays we're trying <laughs> to find some good people and get together. And now the, I wanted to end the, the, the this interview because I know mm-hmm. I it warms me how much you bring up your family in all of your writings and what a big piece your, your, your story about your uncle, your story about your grandmother, your mm-hmm. wife, your two kids. How important has your family been and how do you think your life would look different if you didn't have this community behind you? Wow, that is a good question. I had that, I had that ace mm-hmm. saved on my sleeve, Greg. <laughs> that is a fabulous. I remember you asking me one question on your first podcast. I had to think about it until the second podcast. <laughs> I was on to answer the question. <laughs> I may have to come back for a fourth one to answer. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I truly believe that uh, I'm I'm blessed with my family. I'm truly believe I acknowledge that that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants in my family. That I've been I'm pushed up uh, from below to to live the life I'm living in many ways. Uh, I think most people probably would would uh, love to have the family experiences that I've had, and including my children and wife. I think that it's a really if things weren't good it's a really easy place to blame to lay blame and to live life kind of stuck in it and once again we refer to i'm responsible and i am accountable for my life Uh, just because i have a great family doesn't mean that i can just sit around and coast through life that means that i uh i have a maybe a higher platform to jump from, but um, it's me to, uh, it's my job to jump. And uh, I love my family. I'm blessed. And if you didn't have that upbringing, uh, then jump, find your calling in life and jump, jump, jump higher, jump harder, jump further. Cause it's, it's not a reason to stay where you are. Well said, Gregory. Okay. And anybody who's feeling that way, I know we got a couple of people. Mm. Um, feel free to reach out to Greg. Um, mm-hmm. Put his contact info down there. Instagram uh, at Wisdom is the beginning. Reach out to me, Causing the Effect Podcast. We're always here to 
always here to, to help and support. Um, it's a suicide prevention month, right? Greg, I think that's a, that's a good way to, to end this. And yeah. um, anybody who needs help or anything, just talk, just yeah. let go of that silence, bitch. That's no, basically the goal here. That's it. <laughs> get that secret out there. One yeah. way or another, get it out there. And I, I am open. It's true. Scott, it, you know, you can find me through my website, the books, uh, through Instagram, and I will respond. I will respond. Yeah. Yeah. Gregory is is within an hour. This motherfucker responds. He's, he's my favorite. I had to reschedule today because we're helping the table move. And this motherfucker, no problem, Scott. Make it happen. No All this good stuff, Gregory. Man, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Scott. Uh, everybody, everybody, please. Life unspoken. Um, you can find That's the link uh down down below. We'll do it to Amazon, wherever, you know, wherever the gets yeah. the most views, whatever. Um, everybody keep telling your friends about this. That seems to be the best way that we are growing. You owe. You got to tell one person, Greg. That's been my new thing. You just got to tell one friend about it and show them. And that works. It's beautiful, man. Gregory, you're a beautiful soul. I love you, man. Thank you so much Thank for joining me. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. Thanks, bud. Of course, brother. As always, Thank Causing the Effect community, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.